The Secret Library podcast is brought to you in part by our amazing Patreon members. I want to give a special shout out to them for being a part of supporting the show. If you'd like to join and get solo episodes inside my writing process, as well as the chance to submit questions for special Q&A episodes, you can check it out and join at patreon.com slash secret library. As we're getting close to the halfway point in this season, I wanted to answer a question that some of you may be asking, which is, okay, it's really great to listen to all these episodes and learn all of this material, but how do we put this into practice? How do I move forward and use all of this material in my own writing life? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, because starting in April, we're going to release the Next Draft course, where I will be walking you through all of the tips, tricks, and resources from the season, as well as the inside scoop on how I've applied it in the revision of my own novel. If you would like to get notified when the course is first available, you can subscribe to Footnotes at secretlibrarypodcast.com. The Secret Library Podcast is supported in part by our patrons, who get solo episodes and the chance to submit questions for Q&A episodes about their own writing. Want to join in? You can check it out at patreon.com slash secretlibrary. Also coming soon, the next draft course is almost here to help you apply everything you've learned on the show. Footnotes subscribers will be the first to hear when it's available. You can sign up at secretlibrarypodcast.com under newsletter. This is the Secret Library Podcast. My guest this week is Julie Parker. She is a priestess, speaker, author, life coach, trainer, magazine editor, podcast host, and the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. As she says, that's a real mixed bag of lollies. She began her career in social work, later served in management roles in a number of charities. It was after that that she discovered her passion for coaching and built a successful private practice. When her practice started to include coaches wishing to replicate her success, she launched the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and has continued to serve her community with the Priestess podcast and now with her book, Priestess. Julie has had an inspiring process, both writing this book as well as finding the right publisher to put it out in the world. As a student of Julie's, I have loved her work for years, and she was on my short list of must-have guests for this season. She's been such an inspiration, and I know she will be for you too. One of the things I love about Julie is her real commitment to the creative process and to trusting her intuition and to trusting herself in making decisions about her writing process. If you ever feel shaky or uncertain, or there's something nagging at you that that you feel like you need to follow, this is an episode that will really help you trust yourself. I think it's essential and has been a wonderful story to watch and witness with Julie. As she told the story the first time, went back in, revisited the chapters, massaged them. Um, it was just so much fun to speak to her about this. You can get notes, links, and more information from this episode, as well as sign up for footnotes at secretlibrarypodcast.com. And now I'm delighted to introduce Julie Parker. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, Caroline, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. So I was very excited to talk to you because you had a very sort of um, unusual experience, I think, or maybe it's more usual than people imagine. But you were in well into working on your book. 
and well into the process of it. And then there was a significant change that happened. And was this during the revision stage or were you still writing when you realized that you wanted to transition to a different publisher? I was still in the writing stage, but I was well and truly into that writing stage. We were getting very close towards the book uh, landing itself with an editor and taking its next steps on the journey. Uh, In saying that, I think later on it showed me that maybe I was not as close to that time as I thought I was, which I think (laughs) can sometimes happen to a lot of writers. But we were certainly well down the path when that change happened. Yeah. So what that and now that you've gotten to the phase where the book is coming out and where the book is, you know, it's a reality, what would you say was the difference between you feeling like you were almost there and when you were actually there where the book was ready to be edited and and put out? Oh, goodness, that is a really fantastic question. And I think that part of it is not necessarily logical, but the first thing that comes to mind is that I feel like when I knew that the book was ready to be passed on to uh, my editor, I felt a great deal more comfortable and even, can I say, proud of where it was at. I I felt like, okay, yes, um, I'm not fully dressed. It's not fully dressed yet, but I'm happy for somebody to, to see it. Whereas previously it had felt quite uh, jumbled and uh, a little all over the place. And it was certainly not a smooth ride to get it to that point, as I know every writer who might be listening is chuckling and they're going, well, of course it wasn't um, <laughs> because it because it never is. But I think for me it had reached a stage of fullness, which is not necessarily about word count, and not necessarily about the the structure of where it was at, but just that it felt more whole and complete and that I was really receiving messages that she, as a book, um, she very much feels like a woman to me. She feels like a her. Um, she was ready to leave me and ready to be looked at by someone else. Whereas the first time around, even though, you know, from a word count perspective and even a, a, you know, a structural perspective, it didn't feel as though it was that much different to where it was. It actually felt like it was really different and that I wasn't ready to let it go. Mm. I, I love the idea of of asking the book if it's ready. I think that's a great way to involve it because I think we feel so much responsibility like we're writing this book and we have to make it happen and have I done a good job and it's so much about the identity of the writer but I like removing the responsibility a little bit and putting it on the book as well to see how the book feels. Well yeah that has very much been a process of 
unveiling and uncovering for me with this book, Caroline. It wasn't for my first book, but it definitely has been for this book for sure. And I think that enormous amount of that has to do with the subject matter. Um, you know, this is a, a spiritual uh, book. It's about the divine. It's about the goddess. It's about the world of the priestess. And so it's a co-creation. It is not just my words, really. It is a co-creation with spirit and divine. It's a, it's something that's been written through my ancestors and my lineage and so many other women and people before me. And so she does talk to me and um, it really does feel like a process of co-creation with so many different energies. And it was when she started to say, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready, that I think I finally believed that we were. That's great. So you had a, an extensive process of writing, but I'm wondering, how do you revise a book when it's coming through you like that? What was your process like and how many drafts did you go through and, and how did you sort of work on the idea of revision? Hmm. Well, I don't know whether this might make me crazy, but I, I don't <laughs> actually, it may do. It may, people might be thinking, hang on a second, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. And I understand that, but, you know, we're all different, aren't we? Um, I don't really see myself as ever working to drafts. Mm. Um, it's not, I've never really considered my, my writing or this book to be about uh, that it's ever been draft one, draft two, draft three, while I've been in the process of writing it. Now that it, once it's reached editing stage, I very much can see how that begins to come into play because I will go back and forward with an editor and I go, okay, this is our version one, this is two, this is three, and we begin that sort of lovely game of tennis um, <laughs> back, back and forth. But up until that period of time where it's just me before an editor begins to revise and look at the book, I don't really see myself as working to drafts. Uh, I see myself really, I chunk it down a great deal and I work to paragraphs and uh, chapters. So chunks of themes and chapters in that way. And I'm not known to do that in order either. I can jump all over the place and when I feel that something is complete, then I will mark it for myself as complete and I won't touch it or look at it again until all other chapters are complete. And this is a book that has a lot of small chapters. Mm. Uh, it has many, many chapters that are small rather than, you know, sort of like six or 12 larger chapters. It's broken down a great deal more than that. And it's then that I'll go back and start to revise again and look at things. And, oh, Caroline, <laughs> I, uh, wow, I am always eternally shocked but should not be that when I go back to look at something, I will often just sort of turn around and want to slap myself and go, how could you even have contemplated that that was complete? Right. Like that is so bad or it is riddled with wrongness. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many 
It's so many different ways. Like, what were you thinking? You know, but I will go back to it weeks or even months later if it's something that I felt like I completed early in the process, look at it again and realize, oh, that was so not complete. And so the complete comes off and I start again. And then I work through them again and I put complete again. And a very small number of them ended up being complete the first time around. Mm. A much, much larger number of them had to be done again and then again and then again as mm. well. So, yeah, it's interesting how we think that something is finished as a writer, but really it's not. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I think that one of the things is even just not looking at it for a period of time. And I think that period of time depends on the person. But yeah, I'll go back and say, why did I use that word three times in one paragraph? I think I was just really into it. And I have no memory of doing this. It's like, or who I was, was this person? I, I'd had too many glasses of <laughs> Chardonnay that night when I was writing. <laughs> right. Like, what you know? was that about? It's amazing. Exactly. These things that you think, I, I think it's it's amazing to me how the process of actually writing in the first place is is a bit unconscious. I mean, you, you're sitting there and you're doing it and you're awake, but later you look at it and think, where did this come from? Oh, I think it's very unconscious for me it, 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 to quite a certain extent, actually. And I think that's particularly this case with the book because of its spiritual elements and what I was talking about before in relation to co-creation. You know, there were times when I looked back at it and I go, oh, my gosh, that sounds like something my mother would say. Mm. And not that I would say, but then I would realise, oh, but it is me saying it, but it's mum coming through. Or something else that I would read and I'd think, but oh, that was that experience that I had when I was on my solo wilderness quest, you know, meditating alone and being with the wild and nature for three to four days on end with no one else around me. That was that. And I, I realised, you know, then that there were different parts of it coming through at different times that I didn't consciously realise, but were certainly making up different elements of the book. This is what's fascinating to me. And I think you find these things in revision because we think that we have to consciously put everything down that we want to say, you know, in quotes or in capital letters in a book. And yet when you go back, you realize that you were saying all of these things that you didn't realize you were putting in. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important. I think this is just for me, it may not be for everyone, but I don't edit as I go along um, as I'm writing. You know, I, I know of some people that will literally write two to three sentences and then go back and revise. For me, I find that very um, halting. Uh, it's not the way that I write and it's also not the way I find enjoyable to write. I've tried it and I find that I lose my flow and I lose my mojo. I would much rather just write and write and write around that particular chapter or theme until I don't feel as though I have anything more and that may be three minutes it might be 30 minutes. It could be a good solid couple of hours. And then I will go back and look at it. 
And a lot of it will be not good. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it will be nonsense. Like it won't be good, but there will be seeds and sparkles in there. And it's when you find those seeds and sparks that you can then start to flesh out even more and you then get rid of the superfluous, not good stuff. And that's to me when through that process of revision, a book really starts to come to life. Yes. So when you looked back and you said about these chapters that were marked complete, oh my God, this is not complete. How did you then work on them? Did you did you type them over again? Did you go in and massage them? I'm interested in, A, the, the sorts of things you were noticing that made you feel they were not complete, and then how you worked with them to take it further. Mm. I'm a massager. Mm. And, yeah. And so I would go back in. Uh, I would, first of all, give myself the grace of reading some of reading that chapter through entirely without actually reading the first two sentences and if they were not particularly good going oh this is a horror this is all <laughs> this is all terrible i'm just going to bin it and either delete or go and look at something else because that's too fatalistic and it's too black and white. And I would realize that while the first couple of sentences might not necessarily have been great, that something would come up and then I would go through the whole thing. So I'd always read through the entire chapter first. And then after doing that, I would then go back and that's usually when I would delete things. Mm. I would see things that were just not right or did not make sense, or possibly that had shifted within me and I found I no longer wanted to say. And that would then condense it down a little bit further. And then is when I would go in and follow the sparks. So I would highlight those and go, okay, this is a little gem. There's something in here. I'm going to just focus on this. And so I would massage that little gem and polish it up and see what would come through and then go and do it with the rest of them and then see how it would start to come together. And sometimes there would need to be dramatic cutting and pasting happen, like it was major surgery, you know, just (laughs) in two, two pages of a mini paragraph. But then other times when I looked at these little chapters, it really was more about the fact that some things just needed to be deleted, grammar needed to be sorted, I needed to find more powerful ways to say something and polish up those gems and it was okay. And sometimes it didn't necessarily take that long to do, but then others of these chapters, Caroline, they would literally be like two pages long and I would have to go back to them over and over and over again Uh, and they took a lot of work, a lot of work for just a little bit of writing. And I think that that's one of the things that comes to the fore with being an author and a writer. You have to have an enormous amount of patience with yourself and a bucket load of self-compassion along the way too, because if you're not careful, it's those processes the process of revision and going over things and wondering whether you're getting anywhere and even sometimes coming back in to look at 
the document the following day and realizing, hang on a second, how did I just go from 55,000 words? How was I on point with my word count to now being 48? What just happened? Uh, and you realize it's that process of revision and deleting and adding things in that you've got to have an enormous amount of patience and self-compassion about because it it's not just a matter of, okay, yes, I'll go in and fix it and then it'll be right. It's a lot more than that. Yeah, it's never just the one word. Like, oh, I don't like that word. It's it's often, mm. it's so much more than that. So much more than that. It's like, I don't like that whole section. <laughs> yeah, and then you think, like, oh, boy. Yeah, it's like I'm questioning that whole section, you know, let alone that couple of chapters or a couple of paragraphs. It's certainly never just a word. No, but I think it's I think it's important that people know that this happens because I think we go into bookstores and we pick up books and we think mine doesn't sound like this, and and we're not hearing about all of this that happens behind the scenes as we're as books are happening as they're created. No, and that's what makes the Secret Library such a wonderful podcast. Oh, because yeah, because you are you know one hundred percent revealing you know parts of the creative writing process uh, that so few people have ever, if ever, had an opportunity to be able to hear about and see and learn from. And, you know, I think that the service that you're bringing to the world through the Secret Library is absolutely incredible, not just for authors, but for passionate readers as well. And for people who are thinking about writing a book and becoming published, because I'm sure that everybody realizes that it is a journey that requires a lot of moxie and resiliency, but maybe they don't necessarily know how much. <laughs> well, maybe well, you would like to take up a job as my PR person, Julie. That would be really <laughs> lovely. <laughs> well, you know that I'm a fan of yours in oh, many, many ways. Well, and so it's mutual. You know, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering about sort of the way that that revision may have surprised you is there were there things that you were surprised by in that process because sometimes you know you start out an idea of a book and you have this relationship to it and then you're you're writing and you're writing and you think you've got it like you said and you're going back and changing it and in this process of questioning sections and so on was there something that surprised you about the book during the process of revising it Oh, what a delicious question this is. And, you know, the first thing that that really comes to mind is that the revision process, despite what I may have shared thus far, actually I feel in truth has been one of my most favourite parts of the entire creation. Mm. Uh, it because I feel like that's when she really started to come to life. That's when she really started to show herself to me. Uh, and I got glimpses of what I hoped people may feel from reading her. And that I wasn't expecting because that didn't happen in my first book. I found the revision and editing process, both before it went to editor and with the editing that I was doing, 
before then, very uh, laborious mm. and long and tedious and challenging. Whereas this revision process this time through, ah, I just felt energised by it. And so given the experience with my first book, that was a surprise. But it was very true and it felt very true for me that what was happening as that process was unfolding was that she was just coming to life before my eyes. And so that was something that was really surprising and really beautiful too. That's great. Because I think I think there is this fear that revision is always going to be laborious. Do you think what made it different was the the, the was the subject matter or was it the the headspace you were in or or how do you think that shift happened? I think it was a little bit of both of those things that you mentioned. I think this stage that I was at, I was ignited and excited creatively. At, uh, in a way that I don't think I ever have been before. Mm. And so that was, you know, that was really coming through me at the time. And I also think it was the subject matter as well. You know, I've spoken before about the fact that I really believe that this book is a co-creation between myself, the divine my lineage, you know, all the influences and and beautiful impact that other women and priestesses and mentors have had in my life. And I just felt that. I felt it so strongly come through in the subject matter. And because subject matter is something that I'm so deeply passionate about and living with uh, every single day, uh, it really just was fire igniting the whole thing. And so that revision process this time around just felt so much more lush, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Oh, I'm sure. Did Mm. it change your relationship? Because in this case, you're writing about practices, beliefs, you know, a relationship to the divine that you have personally. And did the process of writing the book change your relationship to that part of your life? Did it open it up more? Or was it simply a validation of, of things you already knew? It was certainly a validation, but at the same time, I think it also opened me up even more because I started to receive some really beautiful messages uh, through my spiritual practice about how this book was going to be very healing for the right, mostly I think women, there may be some some blokes that might read it, but I think it's mostly going to be read by women as it's about women's spirituality, that it was going to be very healing for them and that it was going to take them on a a beautiful journey of self-discovery, but also one where they might not necessarily discover overtly new things about themselves, but more that they would recover them. Mm. and uncover them, knowing that they had been with them all along, that this was not something that was striking them out of the blue or out of the new, but rather that this book would help them to uncover things within themselves that were already there. And when those messages started to come through for me, I just it just lit me up, Caroline, really, And I was just like started to really believe in myself that 
whether it was for five women or 15 women or 50 women or more, however many that would read the book, that it was going to be important to to them and therefore carry on, get on with it, get it out there, let's make this happen. And, you know, that became really a beautiful part of the whole experience. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's wonderful to think that your book can impact someone's life in a positive way. I mean, and given that in some ways writing a book is a, is a crazy thing to do, if you, oh, if you yes. break down the, the sort of steps and if you were to explain it to an alien, well, here's what you're going to do. It, it does feel rather crazy. So you need these kinds of motivations, I think, to keep going. Absolutely you do, because there's no doubt about it that, you know, any writer I'm sure would say the same, that you go through little dark nights of the soul when you when you write a book. It's, it's not always easy. Uh, there are parts of it that are, in fact, incredibly challenging, really pushing, um, really stretching. You make yourself wonder why you ever did it in the first place. Did you make the wrong decision in starting out because it now feels so challenging to finish it and, you know, all of those sorts of things. And so, yeah, it throws up lots of stuff and you've got to, you know, come to terms with that and work through um, whether it's right for you to keep going or not. Um, but hopefully it's right and you do keep going because everybody goes through it, absolutely everybody. And you would know just as much as anybody, Caroline, that there are a lot of books out there that are unpublished because someone, the writer, the dear darling writer, hasn't fully seen things through and that that's a loss for us all. Um, gosh, I don't even want, it makes me a little sad to think about actually the beautiful books that are out there unfinished and unpublished, whether that be self or traditionally, um, because someone didn't quite make it through and maybe that was what was meant to happen, but there's a part of me that always thinks, oh, but that's a gem that's hiding somewhere that we're not going to get to see. Maybe it's about timing too. Maybe we'll get to see it and read it another time. That's true. Maybe it's maybe it's just waiting for a little bit longer until it's ready. I'm wondering Correct. how you said something really lovely, which was that you need to have a lot of self-compassion, especially when looking back over your work and getting ready to revise and and look at it with kind eyes, I think, um, in order to evaluate how you want to rewrite or revise. Can you say more about how you took care of yourself during these dark periods of doubt or everything that comes up for every writer of, you know, why am I doing this? Is this crazy? Is this worth continuing? Um, you had a big transition of, of moving from one publisher. I imagine that was was jarring. How did you stay optimistic and, and how did you take care of yourself so that you kept going and we get to have this mm. book? Well, I'm going to be really honest with you and say that there was a period of time where I wasn't optimistic and I don't think I was taking very good care of myself in relation to the writing of the book. You know, after I stepped away from the first publishing contract, I didn't write for a really long time. And um, oh, gosh, it would have been almost six months, I think. Uh, and so 
that's a long time to sort of shelve something. And I kept willing myself to go back to it, but just really couldn't, just couldn't work up the moxie to do it until I got to a point where it started to tap and call very loudly and I realised that it was time to go back and then when I did go back, it was uh, wonderful and I now look back and realise that, which leads me probably to my first point of self-compassion and self-care for anybody listening, is that it's okay to fall into a funk. Um, It's okay to shelve something for a while. It's okay to let something go and it's okay to be a bit sad, mad, angry or frustrated about the whole process and where you might be at with it because if we don't allow ourselves, this is something that we know as human beings, is if we don't allow ourselves to feel stuff, whatever it may be that coming that is coming up, even the not so great feeling stuff, that it can come back to bite us in other ways. And as a writer, that can be everything from frustration coming through our words to bad writing to inability to be able to edit and revise well uh, to just things coming through us that would not usually come through us if we were in a, a better frame of mind. And so we're much better off to just stop and allow ourselves to feel those things and work through them, whether it be more sleep, more meditation, uh, you know, more mm-hmm. raspberries, more, <laughs> <laughs> you know, more chocolate, more wine, um, whatever it is, more more bubble baths, more time in nature, whatever we need. And so that's, I think, the real cornerstone of self-compassion at any point in time in our lives as a creative is just allowing ourselves to feel and move through what we want to feel and, and we need to feel. And once I allowed myself to do that and work through a lot of anger and feelings of being scared and also frustrated about what happened with the first publisher the first time around and just needing to come to terms with the fact that that did not work out, um, it was really not until I did that that I actually was able to come to peace with the fact that we were not right for each other. And that we needed to part ways, even though that was very scary and I was the one that initiated it. Um, And that when I did that, um, a whole, you know, opening occurred for me around just feeling so much more ready again to write and to feel free and to feel more of that optimism and hope that you were talking about before, to feel optimistic and to remain optimistic that, yes, this book did need to be written, that things didn't work out first time around and that's okay, but that didn't mean that the book wasn't going to be written and it didn't mean that it wasn't going to be published by somebody else and it didn't mean that I should stop writing forever. It just meant that I needed to stop writing for that period of time. And so there's so many other things that I could say about self-compassion and self-care, but the big one I think is that if you allow yourself to feel and move through whatever might be a bit yuck, then so much of everything else will just come through from there. But if you don't allow yourself to do that, that's where you can get really stuck. 
Yeah, I think sometimes the process of writing the book takes people into feelings they maybe weren't prepared or didn't think would get into. And I think this happens with fiction or nonfiction. Um, I hear mm. about it from both. You know, you may have a character in a difficult situation. You may be talking about material. It may be just the process of sitting down and deciding, okay, what I have to say is worth writing down. And all of this brings up a lot of feelings that I agree oh, are yes. really important to acknowledge and not sort of la la la, they're not there. We're just going to keep going. I think that does mm. you and the book a disservice. It so does. Uh it really does. And first of all, it, as you just mentioned then, it disserves you first as a writer, as a creative, as a human being. And anything that disserves you is going to detract at some level from your book and whatever it is that you're putting out to the world. And so paying attention to that is very, very, very important. And then making inroads uh, to addressing that for yourself positively and, you know, with compassion and also with a, a forward active orientated mindset of I know I'm going to feel through this, I know that I'm going to be okay and where to from here? Yes. What's next? So you got to the point where you and and she said, okay, we're ready. We're ready for someone to see us. And then what happened next? Who did you show her to first? Um, well, by that stage, uh, I had another publisher uh, for the book, which I was very grateful for. And so it really was uh, a case of it's ready to be seen by the editor. I did think about showing it to other people, such as my husband. <laughs> I'm not sure whether other writers might do that. And then I thought better of it <laughs> and thought to myself, no, that's not a good idea. Um, he's going to have some loving things to say, I'm sure, but also maybe some things that might not necessarily be helpful because he's not a writer and also he's not your target market for this book. Uh, he's, he's, he's not a woman. Um, he's undergoing a very different spiritual path in his life. He's not a priestess or a sacred leader. And so that's really not a good idea. Why don't, why don't you save the joy of him reading it for the first time when he can hold it in his hands and see his wife's name on the cover of that book because my first book was published uh, well before I met him and we got married. Uh, so the very first time that uh, Another Soul uh, saw Priestess, uh, the book, was when um, it was time to go to the editor. And I felt, unlike my first book, actually, I didn't feel nervous about that at all. I felt really positive and that she was really ready. Um, my first time around, um, I didn't feel that she was ready, but I had a deadline mm. and I needed to get it in. And so dutifully I did. And the editing process from there was very challenging and very difficult, but very necessary. And in the end, it made it a much, much better book. 
but the editing process by the time it reached my very beautiful and wonderful editor this time around has been much more of a joyful process. And I think I really do believe that the joy that I was feeling and the creative spark that I was feeling when I was revising and editing seems to have transitioned into her process as well. And so I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's really beautiful. I mm. love that thought. And then what kinds of, of, of changes were you seeing that might be different from what you did during your own revision versus what you did once you were working with the editor? Well, interestingly, which I was not expecting at all, Caroline, and I don't know whether I'm about to drop a bomb here, <laughs> but, and, I, and I may be, and I apologize sincerely in advance. <laughs> don't worry about for- it. For anybody that this might ignite in a not very good way, I'm so sorry. Um, but much to my absolute surprise, and again, very different experience from my first book, my editor came back to me after going after having the book for about three weeks and going through it. She came back and she said, I'm really struggling to find anything here that I want to feed back to you requires any significant change at all. Wow. And honestly, I it was so not what I was expecting at all because the first time around when I got that first draft back, Caroline, it with the tracked changes and all the red, co- it was like a massacre. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is just, this is a horror show. You know, there is just so much that has to be fixed, changed, shifted, moved, everything. And I was bracing myself, despite the fact that I felt this was a much, much better book from me the second time around, I was absolutely bracing myself for that still to come through at a significant level. And it didn't. And honestly, I'd, I walked around for about two days and didn't know what to do with myself. And I think I, <laughs> I sent her three emails and said, are you sure? Are you going light on me for some reason? Is there is there something here that you know, you could give it to me. Like, don't, don't hold back. This is your job. Like, this is, you know, and she's like, calm down. (laughs) It's okay. She said, it does happen sometimes. It, it happens that it just flows in such a way and it flows and it makes sense. There are little things here and there that need to be polished and I'd like to make the suggestion that you move some things around. But overall, there isn't anything really significant that I need you to deeply look at. It it has come through the way it's meant to come through. And I just had to really sit with that for a while. And now I feel overjoyed about it and so happy about it, but it was initially quite a shock and I didn't quite believe it. (laughs) I wonder if the incredible laborious revision of your first book kind of 
programmed you to see the kinds of things that needed to be changed. And since you spent so much time on that, I wonder if it kind of primed you to write differently the second time around. Do you know what? I think that you have absolutely hit something there and I have never thought about it before. You're 100% right. It has just hit me like a steam train. (laughs) You are correct about that because I am a much better writer, first of all, than I was 15 years ago, which was when my first book was published. It's been a long time between drinks um, deliberately because I've been doing many other things with my life. I think I'm a much better writer. Um, It was a much more personal book this time around about my own journey and personal experiences and things that are really passionate and giving to me right now. But yes, that training ground of my first book, you've absolutely hit on something really powerful there, Caroline. That I think has made me a better editor myself of my own words, a better reviser myself. And absolutely helped me and therefore was a necessary thing to experience and go through, it's absolutely come into this book this time around. And I'm certain that what you're saying there has absolutely assisted with making this a better uh, and more fluid experience this time around. How could it not have? I mean, it was a great training experience for that to happen. So I think if anyone has a really difficult editing experience, you'll know that it, you'll start to notice things. I mean, having, I know, despite what I see very much like you, when I go back and look over first draft kind of material and I think, what are you doing? But, um, but I notice Mm -hmm. it, I see it because of having worked as an editor. And I think that having that experience, there's a lot you can do yourself in the revision process, and then it will make it less strenuous later. Absolutely it will. And of course, that makes you an editor's love and best friend when they don't have to, you know, do quite as much. But that's also good for you too. It means that, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're getting better as a writer. And uh, that's something that we all should aspire to, is to just get better and better at this craft and skill that gives us so much joy. Yeah. And that both experiences are possible at the editing stage. Like you can have a book that requires a lot of editing with a publisher and that's okay. And then you can also have one that doesn't and both of them happen. So I think it's also, I think it's optimistic in either direction for what, what happens at the publishing stage, that it doesn't have to be perfect, but maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It is. um, Well, it's certainly not perfect, but it was a lot better than it was the first time around. Let's just say that. (laughs) Yeah, I would say ready. Maybe ready is a better word. Yes, Mm -hmm. I know. But perfect, don't don't ever think about perfect when you're writing because it'll stop you cold. Absolutely, it will. And there's just no such thing. There's also no such thing as a perfect published book. No. You know, I just, there's there's no such thing. Um, there really isn't. So, yeah, you've just got to move through all of the uncertainty, um, but keep going and understand that, you know, well, as many people have said before, and it's very true that perfection is overrated and it's often in the nuances and quirks of something that we find the real beauty. Absolutely. 
Well, it's been such a joy to get to talk to you, Julie. And I know we'll all be very excited to read this book when it comes out, which is not so long from now. No, no, not long at all. And thank you so much for having me on, Carolina. It's uh, It's been a joy to talk with you and I have gleaned so much inspiration uh, from listening to different episodes of the podcast uh, over the past few years and they really have helped me. I want you to know that at different times when I have been, especially in, um, you know, those darker spots, uh, it's it's been a real joy to tune in and, and hear other writers expressing themselves and their journey. So, yeah, it makes you feel on what is sometimes a very solo journey, not so alone. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram, where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.